Welcome to the Apostles Houston podcast, and thanks for listening. As a community following Jesus in Houston, we want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do the kinds of things Jesus did. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we invite you to join us for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. in Houston Heights. For more information, visit us online at ApostlesHouston.org. Well, if this is your first time worshiping with us, welcome. You're not only welcomed here, you're wanted here. Um, My name is Derek Lamar Smith. I'm one of the preachers here, occasional preachers uh, when David is away, and I'm grateful to have you in worship uh, this morning, Um, and and thank God for your presence here. Uh, So we're in this series uh, out of John chapter number four living water for thirsty people. And um, so this has been a challenging week for me as I prepare. Uh, I was ordained Methodist about 20-something years ago, and now I'm transitioning into, I've come back to the mother church, if you know anything about history. I'm coming back from Methodism to Anglicanism, and, and, and I'm in that, uh, that time where you're being examined, examined, I should say, and uh, it's excruciating, uh, it's time-consuming, uh, plus I'm, 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 I'm doing a degree in biblical counseling, so I had an exam for that this week as well, and so it was like uh, I had two guns to my head, and, uh, uh, and then all the other responsibilities of parenting and husbanding, and then I was at a conference this weekend in Dallas and came back on yesterday evening, and so I have been truly challenged and stretched. So as we say down home where I'm from in in Florida, I want to give you a few scattered remarks from this passage of scripture. No, this is a wonderful passage in John chapter four that uh, uh, Deacon Eric has read for us this morning. And I want to lift up a few observations from this passage uh, in John chapter four, and I'm in verses seven through nine. But let's breathe the word of prayer, shall we? Lord, it's your spirit that does the work, and we desperately need him. It's your spirit who produces the fruit in us. Now, I pray and ask that your Holy Spirit, that he will teach us, and that he will transform us until Jesus Christ is formed in us. We ask it all in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. So, living water for thirsty people, and I want to, I guess I'm going to talk about how and why this morning, uh, because uh, uh, Simon Sinek says it starts with the why. You've got to start with the why, but I want to tell you how and why this morning, and, 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 and let me say a few things uh, 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 about evangelism, because if evangelism and discipleship are two sides of the same coin, then evangelism must be heads and discipleship must be tails. And let me say this, because we live in the United States and we as uh, 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 Christians in the United States, we have some kind of idea about evangelism and discipleship that may not be informed totally by Scripture. And we, for some reason, I don't know why, maybe it comes from uh, uh, the, the, uh, 
Second Great Great Awakening, uh, Charles Finney, I don't know why, but we have divorced and separated evangelism and discipleship as if they're two different things and, and you either do one or you do the other. But really, let me help you, let me, let me, let me encourage you and, and give you some clarity. Evangelism's goal is discipleship. I'm gonna be, it's going to be real simple today. Evangelism's goal is discipleship. Jesus is doing something in this passage. He is discipling this woman in Sychar, and he's going to send her back to her village to evangelize her neighbors. When God saved you, he did not immediately take you to heaven. Now, I know there have been times where you've been walking with the Lord and it has become so, well, Lord, any day now, I'm ready. But the reason God calls you and I out of the darkness of the world, gives us the gift of his spirit, who's a person, not an it, a thing, or an influence, a person that comes and lives within you and I to help us obey what God commands. God gives us his spirit, but he doesn't take us right to heaven. No, does he? He sends us back into the world he calls us from, and then he says, I want you to be salt in the earth, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 17. I want you to be salt that preserves, and I want you to be light that reveals. But I'm not going to send you and, and, and not leave you uh, uh, helpless or hopeless. I'm sending you back into the world to be salt and light. And the reason why God is calling you and I, because he wants to show the people that you used to hang around and smoke with and drink with and kick it with and sin with. He wants to show them that if he can save you out of all people, then he most certainly can do something with the lives of the people that you used to do all of those things with. God doesn't send us, God doesn't call us and then uh, preserve us in mothballs. <laughs> you, don't, you didn't have an old grandmother or grandfather who used to use mothballs or everything, or eucalyptus. You know, they put eucalyptus in the closet because it kept bugs away. <laughs> That's not what God does. He saves you and I. He calls you and I out of the world, and he saves us, and then he sends us. evangelism and discipleship. You don't have to, let me tell you something, you don't have to be, you don't have to know a whole bunch of details to share Jesus. Let, let me dismantle that too because we think that, don't we? Well, I don't know enough. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't feel that I'm prepared. I feel inadequate. 
I'm insufficient. I, I, don't, I, don't know every, I don't know a lot about Scripture. Let me, let me give you a starting point. If you've ever been to a football game or a basketball game, then you've seen John 3.16, and if you've got that down pat, then you are ready to hit the road, buddy. But that's one of the things that, that our flesh, our fallen sinful nature, and our world and the enemy of our souls, the devil, wants us to believe that we've got to have some deep, theological, sophisticated answers to, to, to teach or, or to disciple someone in the faith. And the truth is that that's not required. You got God's Holy Spirit living within you. You don't need to be, you don't need to be uh, uh, adequate. He's adequate. You don't have to be super sufficient. He's all sufficient. What do you need to be? I'll tell you what you need to be available. That, that's it. Available for God to use you. I do it all the time. If I'm, I'm, at, I'm at, at my Starbucks, I'm waiting, I'm waiting on my honey citrus mint tea with two pumps of peppermint, grande, delish. And somebody comes up, they're waiting on their latte. And I engage. How you doing today? I, you know, you can always start with weather or, uh, boy, one day we're going to have a great football team, aren't we? There's always some place to start, right? Or you can say, oh, that's a nice ring, or I like your watch. Or your shoes, are those ons? Because all, uh, well, I've got on a Converse today, but uh, if you got on ons, you know, those are good shoes. Do you run? There's always a place to start, right? Because we, we think we've got to have some kind of package, some pre-arranged package to tell other people about Jesus, but that's not necessary. Start where you are. Use your imagination. Jesus does something in this passage in verses 7 through 9. Notice what he does. Just, just some observation. First, he engages her, this woman, out of, her, out of his humanity. He leads with his humanity. He doesn't come up saying, I'm the Christ. I'm Jesus. I'm the Messiah you've been looking for. You've been anticipating. I'm he. You know what Jesus says to her? Give me a drink. And I love what John is doing here because he's showing you and I that this Savior that we worship has on a human jersey. And he's the one who created water, but he in his flesh, he's thirsty. He needs a drink. He's tired. It's been a long day. And he starts right where this woman is in his own humanity. This God that we serve, who created water, but needs water and gives us water. He leads out of his humanity. Listen, he, he, he finds common ground with this woman. And, 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 and how do you do this? Let, let, me, let me tell you how. Because we're so closed and we want to portray an image 
And in the words of one of my favorite comedian, Chris Rock, we don't often send our real selves, we send the representative. Not our authentic selves. I know, I know it because I, I've been pastoring a 30 years and I've been teaching and pastoring and working with other human beings and that's what we do, don't we? We want to come off as if, you know, I am perfect, but you know, I'm, I'm together. We, we, we are afraid to be honest and, and, and what, I, what my term is appropriately transparent and not send your representative, but if you're tired, say you're tired. If you're overwhelmed and you're in a safe space, say, listen, I'm overwhelmed this week and I need you to pray for me. I'm struggling with this. And I need a word of encouragement. You Listen, you don't have to be on all the time. Relax. Exhale. We're so tense. Jesus comes to this woman and he's doing something for us. He's saying, when you engage, lead with your humanity. No one is blessed and highly favored all the time. How are you? I'm blessed and highly favored. You almost seem as if you're walking on a cloud at the HEB. Life is difficult. Life is rough. It's unpredictable. Sometimes it appears as if it's unmanageable. And you can be walking with Jesus. There is no exemption. There is no inoculation. Jesus leads out of his humanity. And he says to this woman, not that I, 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 I am this person, I need a drink. I'm thirsty. And we have weaknesses, we have insecurities, and we have limitations. And let me tell you something, that's where God wants to start when he uses you. Jesus engages her out of his humanity. But let me give you something else. Jesus engages her despite the man-made barriers. Listen, you know the passage. The disciples are going into the city to buy food, and Jesus does this surprising thing. He speaks to a Samaritan woman whom he had never met. Now, he's breaking all kinds of uh, 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 traditions, uh, 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 taboos. Uh, first, he's breaking a religious taboo because Jesus speaks to her and he says, uh, 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 give me a drink. And, 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 and this religious taboo, uh, there, there, there was a long, ongoing 
history of animosity. You remember David spoke to it last week between Jews and Samaritans, which meant that neither group normally welcomed contact with the other. And, and the roots of this animosity go deep into history because if you, if you study this passage and you do some research, you'll discover that in the 8th century, the northern kingdom, which was Israel, because of their disobedience, fell to the Assyrians and the majority of the population was carried into exile. And, 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 and to repopulate the area, the Assyrians brought in people from other parts of the empire and there was an intermarrying among the groups and, 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 and this left the land uh, of, 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 of mixed race people. Now, I know last week uh, David called them um, um, muggles, but they, I don't think that's it. I think they're mudbloods, actually. Yeah, muggles were humans. Mudbloods were people who were magic, had one magical parent and one non-magical parent. This is Harry Potter, if you don't know. So they weren't muggles. You and I are muggles. These people were mudbloods. And Jews had an issue with these mudbloods. And so they are mixed race. And in the 6th century, a couple of hundred years later, the southern kingdom of Judah was over, overrun by the Babylonians and many of its people were taken into exile in Babylon. And later, you remember, the Babylonian kingdom fell into Persia and Cyrus uh, uh, allowed the exiles from Judah to return to Jerusalem. And what did they do? They got back, they built a temple and, and they repaired the walls of Jerusalem and, 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 and they were called Judeans. And it gets uglier. The Samaritans offer to help repair the temple. But because they were mixed, they were mudbloods, the Judeans said, this ain't going to happen. We can't have any relations with you. And so, because they were rebuffed, the Samaritans, as you know, built their own rival temple on Mount Gerizim in Samaria. And the Jews regarded the Samaritans as ethnically impure and repudiated them. And Jesus knows all of this history and he engages this woman, this woman who has a husband, who's had five husbands, and who is living with a man that's not her husband. She, 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 she's a walking scandal. And Jesus engages her. Now, now let, me, let me park here parenthetically because the court of public opinion is harsh. The court of public opinion is, it, the court of public opinion doesn't just judge you. The court of public opinion uh, uh, sentences you to death. If you've ever made a poor choice 
and decision around your friends and associates. Many of them you may have gone to church with and grown up with, but maybe you know someone who had an unplanned pregnancy or struggled with addiction or or struggled with sexuality and the, the, the people that you grew up with and worshiped with and you thought were in your corner judged you, rejected you, uh, ostracized you, left you out, made you feel unworthy and undeserved and unwelcome. Maybe you weren't that person, but maybe you were one of those people who did that to someone else. And Jesus knows all of this about this woman that she's had five husbands and she's living in a relationship. I know there are kids here, but in the country where I'm from, we call it shacking up. She's living outside of the gift of marriage. Now, I don't know why she has five, has had five husbands. The scriptures don't tell us that. But the, the scriptures tell us that she had five and she was living with a man to, to communicate to us that she had some sin issues. Now, you may not have had five husbands or five wives, but let me tell you why you're just like this woman, because you have had or have some broken and fractured relationships that are broken and fractured because of sinfulness. That's why that, 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 that John drops that note in there. Because this woman has a, her sin issue is she has a struggle with healthy relationships. And Jesus engages her. Jesus comes and he deliberately and intentionally engages her. There's this religious taboo, but then there's this sexual taboo. Because you know, this is first century, men are not supposed to associate with women. And, and this was held more strictly in Judah, in Judea, than in Galilee. But to start a conversation with a female stranger at, at a well pretty much unheard, was pretty much unheard of anywhere, especially in a public place like a well. And in fact, Jesus was risking ritual defilement by talking with a Samaritan woman. I wish I didn't know what this was like. But I've been going to school and working and going to school and working. And I used to go to a church here in town. And um, I, I, was, I was supervising valet and I'm, I'm out in the sun. And, you know, I don't just send my guys to go get cars because I'm young and strapping. I'll run and go get cars too. And so I may be a little, you know, there may be, I may be glistening a little bit with perspiration. I went to H-E-B across the way, and I saw a member of our church, young woman. And you know, if you know Derek Lamar Smith, you know, I don't meet any strangers. I, I just love people, and I, I really mean that. I, I, I love people. I love being around people. People are never an inconvenience for me. And so I'm glad to see her because I haven't seen her in a while. And I go up, you know, to gently, you know, give her a little appropriate church hug. And she just stood there and didn't respond. 
I felt some type of way after that. There's this, 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 this way about us that we are committed to taboos and traditions and not to loving people like Jesus did. And Jesus engages her despite of the religious taboo and the sexual taboo and thirdly, the ethnic taboo because Jews and Samaritans had no dealings with each other. And if you read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Jesus' compassion led him to ignore these things. When he healed that woman with the hemorrhage, when he raised that girl from the dead, when there were physical or spiritual needs at hand, social and religious expectations became unimportant. Jesus engaged her despite of the man-made barriers. Now, I don't know what yours are. They may, they may be religious. They may be sexual or ethnic. I don't know what your taboo is. I don't know what's holding you back from engaging people with Jesus. But let me challenge you this morning. I want you to think about that thing. I want, to, I, want you to, I want to challenge you to go to God in prayer and ask God to open up your heart so that you can see what it is that's preventing you from engaging people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's because it's no longer good news to you. Jesus engages her despite human barriers, but then Jesus engages her because... He knew what she needed. Every man and woman, child, is thirsty. And we're each thirsty for something. And Jesus is, is, is offering water that will forever quench our thirst. The problem is, we all always attempt to quench our thirst with something. We all try to silence our spiritual thirst by quenching our physical thirst with alternatives that consistently never work. This woman needed Jesus. That's what your neighbor needs. Jesus. God created the heavens and the earth and everything was perfect and flawless. And on the sixth day, the crown of his creation was a man and and later a woman, Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve enjoyed this beautiful, immaculate, flawless garden that God had created for them. God would even come down and have intimate fellowship with them. And then one day, Satan, disguised as a serpent, comes down and challenges everything that God has said to Adam and Eve. 
You remember, don't you? There's this tree in the garden that God says you can eat from every tree in the garden except this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat it. And Satan comes and says to them, did God really say? See, the sin in the garden was not Adam and Eve's disobedience. I know we've heard that, right? The, the, the sin that was that they disobeyed God. No, Adam and Eve's sin was they didn't believe God. They believed the serpent. And you know what happened, don't you? Eve believed that serpent. She believed that lie because Satan told her what she really wanted to hear, that she could be like God. And she ate that fruit and she gave some of that fruit to her husband, Adam. And when Eve ate, nothing happened. But as soon as Adam ate, everything happened. Our lives were forever changed. And now you and I have what we call inherited sin because of Adam and Eve's disobedience in that garden. Because of their rebellion against God, the Bible says that they were excommunicated. They were evicted from that garden. They were evicted from the presence of God. Because of their unbelief. God had engaged them with himself and they rejected God. But God wasn't done. Because after that fall, the Bible says that God in the fullness of time sent his son, Jesus Christ. And God established his kingdom and God has declared that his son, Jesus Christ, is the king. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He is the Christ. He is the king. God's one and only son. And he sent his son to die and what we call an ignominious death on a cross for our sin, for our rebellion. For our unbelief. The Bible says that after Jesus died on that cross, that they took his body and laid it in a borrowed tomb. Joseph of Arimathea. And according to scripture, three days later, God, the Holy Ghost, went into that grave and raised Jesus Christ up again, validating that he wasn't just a prophet, that he was God. And in his great love and amazing grace, God, our Father, saves everyone who repents of their sins believes this gospel and follows Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when I'm done. And when Jesus Christ returns on the last day, that great day of judgment, everyone who followed him will enter into his kingdom. That's the good news. Now the question is, who are you engaging with this good news? This is how I want you to pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. And don't go to sleep. 
this, 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 is, this is the application. Lord, help me to be alert and attentive to who you want me to engage with the good news of Jesus Christ. I need discernment. I need courage. I need wisdom. Lord, I want to be used by you to engage people in spite of their gender or socio-religious ethnic background. You've commanded me to make disciples of all ethnos, of all nations, You've commanded us to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You've commanded us to teach them all the things that we have, you have taught us. And you promised that you would be with us till the end of the age. Holy Father, I confess my sin of not evangelizing and not discipling. Forgive me for thinking that that's the responsibility of a certain group or a certain level or a certain class. Forgive me for being lethargic and lackadaisical and, 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 and passive about my faith. Give me a burning heart that begins with a burning love that I receive from you, a love that's so holy and hot and intense that I cannot keep it to myself, that I must engage some other with the good news about Jesus Christ. I confess my sin. I ask for your forgiveness. Now I also ask for your help to do what you have called me to do in the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope this resource has been helpful to you. If you have questions or are just looking for more information, you can check out our website at apostleshouston.org.